section sixteen of neighbourhood a year's life in and about an english village by tickner edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter eight august part two the old windlecombe vicar has a way of dealing with notions of this kind which is good for his hearer whether he allow himself convinced or consider his dignity affronted he ventilates such ideas as he would let light into a room by dashing a rough hand through the dust-grimed window it is a method unpicturesque and often brutal but effective and salutary in the main i owe him gratefully many a pretty rainbow bubble of conceit exploded pluck your head out of the sand quoth he for your ragged hinder parts are visible to all the world of honest eyes the pine and the lily are not choosing creatures to them is their environment allotted but to you is given the wilful fashioning of it a man may be either gold or iron made for either beauty or for use but the one will not decorate nor the other uphold the world if he shirk the fires that must first refine or temper him so away with your foolish sahara tricks and get on with the work the moment brings you by this he meant i was to look about me and tell him what i saw as we went along a duty in which i was too often an unintentional malingerer yesterday a londoner was in the village i told him for a start and he was scoffing at our downs where said he are the green highlands of sussex i have read so much about why the hills are not green but brown and it was quite true at this season and from his standpoint down in the valley up here we can see what gives the downs their rich bronze colour in summer time from below they looked parched and sunburnt as though nothing could grow for the heat and drought but now i can see that the general brown tone is really a mingling of a thousand living hues looking straight down as you walk the turf is as green as ever it was but a dozen paces onward all this fresh verdure is lost under the greys and drabs of the seeding grassheads then again the brown colour is due just as much to the blending of all other colours that the eye separates at a close view but confuses from afar we are walking on a carpet of flowers we cannot avoid trampling them if we are to set foot to the ground at all yellow goatsbeard and vetchling and the little trefoil with the blood-red tips to its petals and golden hawkweed everywhere for blues there are millions of plantains and sheepspit and harebells and the wild thyme purples half the hillside making the bright carmine of the orchids brighter still wherever it blows 
but i have not reckoned in half the flowers that hold enough i am sick of your londoner and of every human being for the moment listen to the free glorious wind down in the valley there we always think of the wind as a creature with a voice something striding through the sky and calling as it goes but up here we know that it is the earth that calls hark to its swishing and surging and sighing for miles around the sound is never overhead on these treeless wastes but always underfoot you keep head and shoulders up in the soundless sunshine and walk in a maelstrom did you ever think that the larks always sing in the midst of silence no matter how hard the wind blows those are george artlett's sheep we are coming to are they not i ought to know the old dog's talk i scanned the hills about me but could see no sign of sheep shepherd or dog but as we drew to the edge of the wide plateau we were traversing and got a view down into the steep coombe beyond there sure enough were all three the sheep just growing artistically presentable after their june shearing were scattered over the deep bottom quietly nibbling at the turf far below in the shadow of a single stunted hawthorn sat young george artlett scribbling on his knee no doubt rouster had been lying by his master's side until our shadows struck sheer down upon him from the brink of the hill but now he was up and pricking his ears sharply in our direction growling menaces and wagging a welcome at one and the same time i gave the reverend what i saw in a few words to my surprise he began to descend the steep hillside after all said he george artlett and i never really fell out but we agreed to differ and that is the most fatal most lasting disagreement of all i should have known better i think i will risk a hand to him again as we clambered down the precipitous slope into the shelter of the coombe the wind suddenly stopped its music in our ears there fell a dead calm about us at the bottom we seemed to be walking between two widely separated yet almost perpendicular cliffs of green with a great span of blue sky far above across which the heavy cumuli raged unceasingly george artlett got to his feet at our approach thrust his paper into his pocket and gravely clawed off his old tarpaulin hat he took the hand held out to him with wonder and a little hesitation and how fares the good work george artlett was silent a moment he tried to read the sightless eyes shepherdin sir tis allers slow goin but goin all the time we did famous with the wool and george leave the wool alone you know what i mean 
george artlett swung round on his heel and swung back again he counted the fingers on his gnarled hand slowly one by one be it priest to loss runagate or be it man to man he asked looking up suddenly it is just one child in the dark way putting forth hand to another for to the best of us george comradeship can be no more than a heartening touch and sound of a footstep going a common road and the voice of a friend do you see a light at the end of your path ay i do that look closer is not the light just the shine of a beautiful face very grave and sorrowful but with a great joy beginning to spread over it and though the deep voice stemmed on in the sunny quiet of the coombe i could distinguish the words no longer for something that was by no means part of me but of a more delicate nurture had set my feet going against my will i was halfway down the long alley of the coombe before i stopped to wait for the old vicar and then looking backward i fell to staring with all my eyes reverend said i after he had rejoined me and we had walked on together in silence for a minute or two i wish you could see what is before me now i had brought him out of his reverie with a jerk well on with it i see a green sunlit space with the shadow of an old hawthorn upon it and in the shadow i see two men kneeling bareheaded their faces turned up to the sky and with all my heart i wish there were a third with them but there is not another fit for such company to my certain knowledge within ten thousand miles he seemed to weigh his reply before he uttered it but you're a good fool said he and i love you and there were three there nay a fourth all the time in winter time when nights are dark and ways be foul i can conceive of no pleasanter aspect of village life at any season than the indoor fireside one but when the long radiant august evenings are here there is equally no other time for me more and more with every year that glides by life in windlecombe at this season seems to focus itself round the seven sisters trees upon the green all the summer day through the old folk gather there and always a low murmur of voices comes drifting up to my window from their garrulous company but it is after the day's work is done and all able or disable are free for recreation that the true life of the place begins there is something about the ease-taking of men physically tired after a long day's work in fresh air and sunshine that fascinates one who is only mind-weary and that alone from much chaffering with pen and ink 
though you have but cramped limbs to stretch out over the green sward and by comparison but a torpid attenuated flow in your veins somewhat of your neighbour's healthful dog-tired humour overbrims upon you and after a pipe or two and an hour's slow desultory chat you can almost forget the tang of the study the reek of old leather burdening imprisoned air and congratulate yourself on a man's work manfully done albeit vicariously the day-long tussle with the good earth mammoth nunches and eleveners devoured under hedgerows a shirt a score of times soused with honest sweat and as many dried by the thirsty harvest sun all the old windlecombe faces were there to-night under the drooping pine boughs and most of the middle-aged ones the younger men and boys were down on the mead at cricket practice and there they would stay as long as a glimmer of daylight remained in the sky but the sun had still a fathom to go before it would lie red and lusty caught in the toils of the far-off stavisham hills i evaded with what grace i could the cake of ship's tobacco held out to me by captain storwood accepting as fair compromise a charge from the tin box of old tom clemmer his dearest friend gradually the talk got back to the point where my coming had intersected it tis true said the captain now true as i sets here on a plank of the old king as ye cut and shaped yourself dan'l i followed his glance round the circle of benches there was not a head among the company but was wagging dubiously old daniel dray's face was an incredulous a horrified blank what said he a human critter swallow seventeen live i seed it interrupted the captain pointing his pipe stem solemnly at us for emphasis i seed it with me own pair of eyes little lirrupy green chaps they was all hoppin and a summer settin in the basket and the blackamoor a puts his mouth to the lip on it and hep hep says he and every time a says it one o em jumps in and when they was all down a gives a sort of gurgle and scoos his head o'er the basket and hep hep says he again and every time a says it out pops but there tis no sense tellin ye folks see norn o the world in little small village places and ain't got no beliefs he was silent for a while then brought out a tobacco box like a brass halfpenny bun and held it up to the common view it was old and battered and had certain initials scratched on the lid the captain fingered it in mournful reminiscence looky now he said i don't rightly know as i ever told ye g b that bent tom stallard bit ah no says all on ye readier now 
twere george's old george budgeon as daniel what year what i went aft to see daniel dray's lips moved in silent calculation seventy-three belike or maybe seventy-four cause ye'd been gone joe a year afore harker's coo slipped the five-legged heifer and that were in ay true daniel and george budgeon i were a shipmate along o me purty soon arter i gooed away well and this here baggy box the last time as i seed it in george's hand i took a fill out of it jest afore i went on watch and it come on to blow that night gorm how did blow and rain not half and in the morning never a sign of poor george budgeon to be seen well now full a fortnight out of that what'd we do but catch a girt thrasher on a trail line and inside of the critter what'd we find but a halibut big as a tay tray all alive and lippin her were says the cap'n i was ship's boy then joe says he gettin clanin and i'll herrin for my supper i says now then dan'l ye'll never believe it but true as ye sets there clink goes my knife again summer inside of the halibut and go on stallard <laughs> we all knows what be a comin cap'n and they were ah but ye'll ne'er believe it not if ye were jonah hisself there inside of the halibut were a girt rusty hook as what say dan'l don't he say it again dan'l you a regular prayers goer too the captain filled his pipe from the box tragically ruminating in the silence that followed ah poor george budgeon i little knowed as twould be the last time as i'd pass his tobacco box to a friend the sun had long set and the dusk was creeping up apace here and there in the shadowy length of the street lights were beginning to break out where we sat under the dense canopy of pine boughs night had already asserted itself and to one another we were little more than an arc of glowing pipe bowls old stalwood chuckled richly from his corner a sort of inspiration of mendacity seemed to have come over him to-night but lord bless ye he went on that bean't northern not when you've been five and thirty year at sea i knowed a man wanst as worked in a steam sawmill way over in ameriky somewheres and what did i do one fine mornin but get hisself sawed in two pieces and one piece died the doctor could do naught to save her but t'other piece kept alive for ten year arterwards ah and did a man's work every day old daniel bounced to his feet he breathed hard for a full half-minute joe stallard he said at last severely shame on ye for a regular hell and hell old lair a man cut in two 
and lived ten year arter leastways the one part of him for shame joe tis trapsin about in all the heathen countries i reckons as has spoiled ye ah well well a day there they be lighting up at the thatchers come along tom clemmer three squares of red shone out amidst the twinkling dust of the street denoting the curtain windows of the inn it was the signal for which all had been waiting and a general stir took place in the assembly at length none remained about me but the old seaman he had said nothing while the dismemberment of the group was in progress but had sat shaking in silent merriment now he too got slowly to his feet tis wonderful he observed moving away real unaccountable the little simple things as some folks won't believe there be a thing now as but this story of partitioned yet still living humanity even though it came from america was too much also for me and i told him so he stopped in his easy saunter towards the inn tis true he averred as stoutly as ever his rich oily chuckle came over to me through the darkness mind ye i didn't say as the man were sawed into two equal parts twere but the thumb of him as were taken off belike i'll just step across to the thatchers now and tell that to dan'l End of section 16